If anybody's visiting with us, I'm not Mike Devine. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> I'm Vicki Nicholson. I am a lay speaker in the Methodist Church and a member of this church. Um, and I will be speaking today. Uh, before I start, I have two things. One, this is a sheet that if you don't have, Bob, Raise your hand if you don't have one of these because you're going to need it later in the service. This is the days of Elijah. Miss Ann does not have that. So the other, uh, if you have been using the prayer guides, there are prayer guides back there for this week's message. Today is... It should be a really, really exciting, happy day. Last week, we celebrated Jesus' resurrection. But today is kind of a sad day to me because today is known as Low Sunday. Who knows why it's Low Sunday? This is the lowest attendance day in the church every year. The Sunday after we say, he's alive, he's risen, we don't come back. Well, we came back. <laughs> but all of the people who were so excited about Jesus being alive last Sunday aren't here this Sunday. So that's kind of sad to me. I just realized that when I looked around and I thought, I've got to say something about that before we start the sermon. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus. We thank you that you sent him to redeem us, to heal us, to free us, to save us, God. We thank you for the resurrection and we celebrate the re resurrection, God. Please give me your words for this sermon today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm trying, this is brand new. Gary's kind of got me hooked on speaking from a tablet instead of paper because you can uh, see the tablet better than you can paper <laughs> is the main reason we can actually read this as opposed to the paper, which we can't read. So we'll see how this goes. I recently completed a study of Psalms, and I was struck by all of the Psalms that say, sing, shout, praise, worship. Um, we are called to worship God. This is what we're called to do. And the Psalms teach us how to worship. They teach us to be worshipers. And I really, really enjoyed that study of Psalm and it hit Psalms, and it's really impacted my life. I encourage you to read the Psalms in a, in a way of studying it, not just... What I had done all of my life, and I'm older than almost everybody in here, maybe, every, no, I'm not older than him, so I know I'm not older than everybody in here. I had never 
read the book of Psalms in a way that I was studying it. I would go and read a psalm when I felt down or whatever, but I encourage you to do that. We're going to read Psalm 98 today, and as we read Psalm 98, I want you to view it through the lens of the crucifixion and the resurrection. I want you to think about the crucifixion and the resurrection as we read this. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. Jesus is alive. His holy arm has shown us his saving power. Jesus is alive. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. Jesus is alive. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Jesus is alive. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with a harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he has come to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. Does that sound like we should be just calmly sitting here with our hands folded and our faces still? This doesn't sound like that. It's shouting, it's singing, it's being excited. The psalmist tells us to shout to the Lord. Have you ever shouted for joy? I bet you have. Anybody ever shouted at a ball game? Mm-hmm. We tend to shout encouragement and shout praise and shout for joy when some guy throws a ball and another guy catches it and goes across a line or some person throws a ball and it goes in a hoop or some person hits the ball and it goes across a fence or some person kicks a ball and it goes into a tiny little net. We get all excited and we jump up and down and we shout. I'm waiting for Brad to notice the picture. He hasn't noticed it. He can't see that far. <laughs> Just look in the bottom corner there. And then the teeny tiny little <laughs> Not that I did that on purpose, just for you. <laughs> we shout for joy. Now, I used to be a, a Braves fan. And if anybody wants to talk to me after the service, I'll explain to you why I'm not a Braves fan anymore. But I used to be a Braves fan. And I remember very clearly when Hank Aaron was moving toward that 715, moving toward that 715, and every time there was a game that we could watch, we would watch it or we would read the newspaper to see, did he hit it, did he hit it? And I remember when he hit it. And I remember rejoicing 
I didn't know the man. At that point in my life, I'd never seen a live Braves game. But I rejoiced because he hit a ball over a fence. Um, When we moved to Atlanta and uh, came above the poverty line a little bit, uh, we went to Braves games when we could, and that was way back before you had to get a second mortgage to go to a game. Um, And I would, Gary doesn't shout. Gary doesn't, he doesn't cheer, he doesn't, but he would sit there and he would enjoy the game, and I would have Tomahawk elbow by the time the game was over. I would have no voice by the time the game was over, whether they won or lost. I shouted. I, I was dedicated to the Braves. We're dedicated to our sports teams. Are we as dedicated, dedicated to God, to our worship of God? Why should Christians shout? What is it we should shout about? Last week we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. We went through Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, followed by Black Friday, crucify him, crucify him. They shouted two different things. Friday night was the beginning of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was Saturday, so Jesus' disciples could not tend to his body on Saturday. That was forbidden. So on Sunday morning, they went to the tomb to tend to his body. What happened? It was empty. Nobody was there. Jesus was gone. Mary was among those people. And John tells us that she cried. Now, I think this was very normal. Her Lord had died. She was grieving. And on top of all of that, now his body's gone. And she can't even do what we normally do to kind of have closure when somebody's died. So she's standing there, and she looks back into the tomb. And there are two angels sitting there. She didn't recognize them as angels. She just thought they were two men sitting in there. And one of them said, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. And she heard somebody behind her. And she turned, and she saw someone standing there, and she said, do you know where he is? And he said, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where he is. Can you help me? And he said, Mary. It's me. And he said, go and tell the disciples. Now, Mary has seen him die. She's grieved him from Friday night till Sunday morning. And now she sees him, she recognizes him, she knows it's Jesus, and he says, go and tell the disciples. Do you think she went, okay, and she strolled over and she said, Um, it's okay, he's alive. We don't need to grieve anymore. You think that's what she did? If you saw somebody that you thought was dead and all of a sudden they're alive, would that be your reaction? 
<laughs> that was not Mary's reaction. Mary ran back to the disciples. And she shouted, I've seen Jesus. He's alive. He's alive. So why should we shout? Jesus' death and resurrection were part of God's plan for redemption. They didn't just happen. This was a plan. The first time that Jesus spoke in the temple, in the synagogue, he read from the scroll of Isaiah, not the book of Isaiah because they didn't have books back then, from the scroll of Isaiah. And he read about himself. This was a prophecy of what Jesus, what the Messiah was going to do. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he sat down. What he was saying is, this is why I'm here. This is what I came to do. Why should we shout? Jesus was anointed to set us free and to create new life in us. He was anointed to heal us and to redeem us. Jesus sets us free. And he makes us a new creation. He creates a new life in us. Um, I don't know about you, but there are many times when I have felt like during my life that I needed a new life. There have been times when, quite frankly, I wanted to get as far away from the life I was living as possible. Part of that was when my son had colic for four months. But it, we, we need a new life. In Acts, Paul wrote, Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. We're slaves to sin. In Galatians, he wrote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And in Romans, Paul wrote, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus himself said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We're free from sin. We don't have to be bound by sin anymore. He creates new life in us. In Ephesians, Paul wrote, In him and through him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. He heals us and makes us a new creation. And in 2 Corinthians, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. We don't have to worry about that old stuff anymore. See, everything has become new. Is anybody in here like me? I go back and worry about the old stuff I did. 
I think about mistakes I made, things I did on purpose that were wrong. I don't have to do that. Everything has become new. And in 1 Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There was a man named Legion. The story of Legion is in the New Testament. Legion was possessed by demons. Um, When we say possessed by demons, we kind of think crazy is what we think. Legion was possessed by demons because those demons owned him. They controlled him. He was completely in the control of those demons. He lived in the tombs. He cut himself with rocks. They would chain him down so he couldn't get into the town, and he would break the chains. He was completely possessed by those demons. And then Jesus came. And Jesus cast out the demons. He set Legion free, and he made him a new man. He was no longer the man who ran around and cut himself and broke chains. He made him into a new man. Now, what did Legion do? No, thanks, dude. This is cool. He ran into town, and he said, look at me. Look at me. And they didn't even believe it was Legion. It's kind of like, there's no way you're the crazy guy who was out in the tombs. Look at me. Look at me. I have a new life. Jesus healed me. Jesus set me free. Jesus sets us free from sin and makes us new. We should shout praises to God for this. Jesus also heals us. And when we're talking about this, Jesus does heal physically. Not always, but Jesus does heal physically. But he always heals us spiritually. Always. We can count on that. Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Does anybody besides me have a burden today? No? Oh, we got to, okay. (laughs) We have burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. I I am afraid too often. This is what he said. Paul wrote, that message spread through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and, listen to this phrase, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's me, oppressed by the devil. Jesus heals us. Um, Jesus was going through Galilee, 
and there were a couple of blind men. And uh, they heard Jesus was coming, and they had heard about Jesus' healing. So they heard the crowd coming, and they started crying out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he stopped, and he said, Do you believe that I can heal you? And they said, Yes, Lord, we do. And he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it done to you. And they could see. Now, I love this verse. And Jesus sternly warned them. See that no one knows about this. Did they obey him? No. If you had been blind your entire life, and all of a sudden Jesus healed your blindness, let's forget about that. If you had been in pain for a year and a half, and Jesus suddenly touched you and healed that, do you think you would be going, oh, okay, thank you, and not say anything? No. They went out and shouted, and it says, but they went away and spread his fame throughout the whole area. They couldn't keep quiet. We should not be able to keep quiet. Jesus heals our anxiety. He takes away our burdens. He gives us peace. We should shout praise to the Lord. Uh-oh. That was bad. <laughs> I touched the wrong thing. There it is. Jesus was appointed. See, this is why I told Gary I didn't know if I should do this. <laughs> Jesus was anointed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I have read that for 60, well, no, I didn't read till I was six. So for 60 years, I have read that and gone, I don't know what that means, but, you know, I didn't bother to look it up. When I was reading this, I did bother to look it up. The acceptable year of the Lord means something totally different from what I thought it meant. It means the year of Jubilee. We're going to sing about the year of Jubilee in a few minutes. The year of Jubilee was every 50 years, God had said the Israelites needed to celebrate the year of Jubilee. And in that year, all of your debts were canceled. Anybody ready for the year of Jubilee? <laughs> All your debts were canceled. If land had been taken away from your family, it was given back. The slate was wiped completely clean. Everything was forgiven in the year of Jubilee. Isn't that amaz an amazing concept? That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, I've been anointed to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord or the year of Jubilee. I've come to wipe the slate clean for you. I've come to redeem you. In Titus, we read, Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. And in Ephesians, in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. 
in Corinthians, God is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And in Colossians, I'm not doing this again. And in Colossians, somewhere, uh, okay, I prepared for this. And in Colossians, uh, I'm lost now. Y'all give me a minute. All right, I know I'm not there. In Colossians, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He has rescued us. He redeems us from our sin and restores us to God. Um, Jesus was traveling and he met the Samaritan woman at the well. Now this woman was at the well by herself in the middle of the day and she was there at the middle of the day by herself because she couldn't go out there when all the other women went out there because she was not accepted by anybody in the community. And she walked up to the well and Jesus said, will you give me a drink? And she looked at him and said, you're a Jew. Why are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me to give you living water. She didn't understand that. And so he started talking to her about her life and about living water. And he finally said, go get your husband and bring him out here and we'll talk. And she said, no, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And she was astounded. She was taken aback. But he still offered her that living water and to redeem her. Now, we've had an experience recently with uh, a member of our family who is in a church in which they um, have a process where the elders of the church come to you if they believe there's sin in your life and you're supposed to confess it to the elders and then if they don't believe that you have repented from your sin then they go before the whole church and say these people this person has not repented of their sin and they named the sin. And um, I said, wow, how do you have time to have a service? I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> I would spend all my time up in front of that. So the Samaritan woman was, was kind of like that. She was like, but Jesus didn't condemn her and say, you've got unrepentant sin. He said, this is what you've done, and I'm going to give you living water. She was excited. She ran back to town. Now, this is a woman who normally walked along the edge of the buildings and tried to stay in the shade and 
tried to stay out of the way of everybody because she was condemned everywhere she went. Because she had sinned, not like any of the other people in the village had sinned. She had sinned, and she ran into the village, and she shouted, Come and see, come and see, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Now, these are people that knew her life and knew that she didn't talk very much, so they were like, okay, let's go see, and they followed her out there. And the Bible says that many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And I saw that sentence as an indictment of me. How many times have I gone out and shouted, come and see, come and see what God has done for me. Redemption is something to shout about. Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has set us free and makes us a new creation and he heals us and he sets us, he redeems us. I was a slave to sin and Jesus set me free. I was broken and he created a new life in me. I was weary and anxious and afraid, and Jesus healed me and gave me peace. I was separated from God by sin, and Jesus redeemed me. I should be shouting. We should be shouting. We should shout in worship, but we should go out these doors every Sunday. And people should know that we're Christian because we're so excited about what God has done for us. I'm going to, we're going to play, play a little video here. Um, I've talked to you about this before. It's the Days of Elijah. Um, it's being sung by a group of Marines. And the first time I saw it, I cried. These are not talented Marines. These are more like Corey singing Marines. But they are excited about God. These Marines in their camouflage uniforms and their backpacks and everything are dancing and doing all the hand motions and singing and shouting. And we're, we can join them. I would love to see everybody stand up and join them in singing Days of Elijah. We need to be willing to shout just like these Marines do. Still be 
Yeah. 